Good singing, guys. You may be seated. How do you like that Christmas right there? That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Now I can cheer for the Packers properly. Uh, no, we're so glad that you guys are here. Welcome to Northridge. For those of you who are near, uh, new here, we're just we're so glad that you came and, and joined us today. Uh, we're just so glad to celebrate. Today begins, as Tanya mentioned, the the season of Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and, and very simply put, Advent is simply a season where we are to prepare our hearts, our minds, our focus, our energies. On celebrating Jesus, the birth of Jesus. That's what Advent literally means. It it means a preparation for that. And so we have, Christmas is so big, we have to have a whole several set of weeks to prepare for it. That's how important it is. And so today is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, If you've seen an Advent wreath or an Advent candles, we have the first one lit today because that's the first Sunday of Advent. Each Sunday we'll light one more until the fourth Sunday of Advent, and then we'll have the, the four candles and the Christ candle lit, which you light on Christmas. And so this is our preparation for understanding a little bit more about that. And uh, so how many of us in here maybe feel sometimes like life is dictated to us by our culture, uh, by those around us, by our job, by, you know, you know whatever, whatever the case is. How many of you feel like life is sometimes scripted out? Maybe that, that there's, you know, this normal way of life and we have to fall in line, right? Fall in line uh, or else you're weird. You know, or else you're not a true American or you're, uh, you know, not a true Packers fan <laughs> or whatever the case is. How many of us, you know, feel like life is scripted sometimes? Maybe, maybe uh, we feel like maybe this commercial puts it. Take a look. Carl, you can work the weekend, right? Of course, whatever you need. Carl, send me that link. Okay, Gary. I love kale. Yes! I mean, uh, good point. So I say, that's pretty expensive for something called gluten-free. <laughs> A few more years, and I'll make you and your partner. Dramatic music plays The stunning car arrives. It's not in my script. Ready? Let's go. Break from the script. Is it? Do you ever feel that way, though? I mean, like, yes, whatever you need. <laughs> right? Ha, 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 gluten-free. You know, I mean, and we kind of go through these motions, and we feel like there's a way that we have to do life. There's a script. It's all scripted out for us. And did you notice what broke them away from the script? It was their focus, what they were focusing on. All of a sudden, whoo, that's not in my script. Sweet. And it changed, their perspective changed. Isn't that how it works? Our perspective changes, maybe how we see things, how we actually look at things. For example, like this. If you, if you look at this, this image, take a look here. It, maybe not, just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. I got you. <laughs> so good. You guys thought it was going to be up there, uh, but it's not. There you go. What do you see? Do you see, fa- you see faces, but do you see the face? 
Or do you see faces? Or no, I see a vase. Right? It's what we focus on. It's what we see first, right? Some of you saw two faces. Some of you saw the vase. Or vase. Whatever it is. Okay? You saw that because our perspective, how we see things, how we view God, how we view life, you know, it, it changes things. Okay? Uh, so we see that and how we view ourselves even. Right? How, how do you view yourself? It might be, might be something like that. All right? You're a kitten and you're like, yeah, I'm a lion. Rawr. Right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how I, I talk to kids sometimes, you know, and they're like, "Yeah, Dad, I'm going to do it," you know. Jackson be like, "Okay, but I don't know. You might want to come a little closer." No, Dad, you know. And they, it's just it's just funny how we view ourselves, right? And and let's let's be honest for a second though. Sometimes this is how it is, you know. And you're like, "No, you're more of a kitten," you know. And some, but sometimes we flip flop it. Sometimes we're lying, and we look in the mirror, we see a kitten, we kind of put ourselves down. Sometimes we don't view ourselves in the right light in both ways, do we? Sometimes we, we have the wrong perspective. It's, it's kind of tweaked just a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's like this. Maybe we think we're chasing success and we kind of like, yeah, this is the direction we're going. This is how we're going to get there. And, and what it really looks like is, whoa, you know, we're like, what's going on? You know, life is crazy. And sometimes even our perspective affects how we communicate. Maybe it's something like this. Maybe, maybe it's like, okay, no, there's, there's four boards there. No, I counted three. No, four. No, three. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. I mean, if you look at that for a while, it, that's just messed up. <laughs> right? That's just messed up. You haven't had enough coffee this morning, right? You're like, I just don't understand. Okay? It affects how we communicate. It affects how we view God. How we view God affects how we treat people. How we treat people affects, obviously, how our life goes, how our relationships are, doesn't it? Our perspective is huge. The reason I bring all that up is because for the next four weeks, starting today, our series is Refocus Christmas. And I skipped right over the title slide earlier. You saw it for a brief second. But Refocus Christmas... Hey, what we're going to talk about with these, this series, we're really going to attempt to try to do two things. I'm going to just tell you outright what those two things are for the next four weeks. First thing, uh, really our goal is, is to tell the true Christmas story as told by God. The Christmas story as told by God himself in his word. Hey, I don't know how many of you have ever heard the whole story, but we're going to tell basically the whole story of Christmas in four weeks. And yes, it will take four weeks. It's going to be a struggle just to get it done in four weeks. But we're going to do the whole story of Christmas. So we're going to talk about Joseph and Mary. We're going to talk about the shepherds. We're going to talk about the angels. We're going to talk about the wise men. We're going to talk about Jesus himself, of course. That's the whole point of Christmas. We're going to talk about all those aspects of Christmas, the Christmas story. So we're going to tell that with a little bit of a twist. But then the second thing that we're going to do with this series is we're going to give us a new perspective. We're going to look at how Mary and Joseph looked at God. How did the shepherds view God? How did King Herod and the angels, and how did they view God? What was their perspective? What was their focus? And as a result of their focus, how did that determine how they reacted and responded to God? Because that's really important. So we're going to talk about those two things. We're going to talk about the Christmas story, and we're going to talk about what their focus meant and what it means for us, for you and I today, right now, in this year. 
So that's what we're going to do. So today we begin the series uh, and the story of Christmas where you really only, you can, you have to start here. You have to start with the first two people. The first two people, the people that probably everybody wants to play in the Christmas pageant. You know, I want to be Joseph, I want to be Mary, right? You know, people are like, yeah, I'll be a shepherd, I'll be a wise man. But everybody's like, yeah, I want to be Joseph and Mary. We're going to talk about Joseph and Mary today where the Christmas story really begins. And so what I want to do is, is we're going to talk uh, about two passages. If you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. Those are the two uh, places that we're going to be. Luke and Matthew both tell the Christmas story, but they tell different aspects of it. Right? So if you look in Luke, you're going to get certain aspects of the Christmas story. And if you look in Matthew, you're going to get certain other aspects. They focus on different things. Some of them focus more on the angels. Some of them focus more on the shepherds. Some more on the wise men. And so what we're going to do is we're going to combine those two books together to tell the whole story in its entirety. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, if you'd like to follow along. It'll be on the screen. So let's talk about how Mary finds out about the Christmas story and how much she gets to be a part of it. It's kind of a big role. All right, let's take a look. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, it's one of Mary's relatives, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Okay, we're going to stop there for a minute. Now, I don't know what Mary was doing. You know, she maybe was, maybe was cleaning the house. Maybe she was cooking dinner. Maybe she was um, getting ready to go out with some friends to the water well. Um, you know, maybe she was checking Facebook, updating her status. Maybe she was posting some awesome new recipe to Pinterest. I have no idea what Mary was doing. Whatever she was doing, her life was just interrupted. Can we all agree on that? How many times has an angel just come, boom, right there? Hey, how you doing? Her life was interrupted immediately, just like that. Normal day, whoa, not so much anymore. Ba-boom, there it is. Mary's interrupted. Her life was just about to be drastically changed forever. Okay, let's go on and see what happens. Confused and disturbed. Yeah, I understand that. That, that makes sense. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. <laughs> That's a lot to take in in one sitting. Right? Uh, there's this guy named Jesus. You're going to give birth to him. He's the savior of the entire world. His kingdom is never going to end. It's kind of a big deal. And you're the one that's going to do that. Whoa. The day just shifted just slightly. Okay. Mary, I'm sure, had to, had to take a moment to collect herself. But then when she finally does, I don't know how long it took, but when she finally does, she asks a really good question. Mary asked, verse 34, the angel, but how can this happen? <laughs> I'm a virgin. Yeah, that's a good question. It's a really good question. The angel gives an answer. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. 
What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Nothing is impossible. In other words, nothing is impossible with God. What is impossible for us is possible with God. That's really kind of one of the biggest gists here, the big themes here in the Christmas story. What is impossible for us to accomplish is made possible because of God and His power and His love. So Mary is there and she hears this amazing news. Her life has just been completely and dramatically altered. And this is maybe the one of the most things, if not the most powerful and amazing thing about Mary. How she responds. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So Mary went into the day as is a normal day, normal person. And now she's coming out knowing that she is going to be the earthly mother of the Savior of all humanity. Her life script, can we say, was changed just a bit. Can we say that her life script was thrown out the window and God said, hey, we're going to write a new script together. You're going to be a part of it and you're going to help. But there's a whole brand new script to be written now. You're not going to live according to this one. It's a brand new thing. And Mary is left there, I'm sure, just excited, scared. Like, what's going to happen? I need to tell Joseph. (laughs) Right? And so Mary's like, whoa, this is big stuff. And so now God has to get Joseph on the same page. He's, it's kind of a big deal. He's engaged to her. <laughs> this is kind of big news. And so he has to get Joseph on the same page. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and see how this happens. All right, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. We learned that part already. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Okay, translation. Joseph, he hears about this. Okay, Mary has already told him. Okay, that's what this is implying. Joseph already knows. Okay. My guess is, the Bible doesn't say this expressly, but my guess is Joseph is dealing with some probably some pretty intense emotions. Probably a little bit of rage. Probably a little bit of anger. Probably a little bit of frustration. My guess is a whole massive amount of disappointment. And a whole lot of confusion. It's like, Mary, what are you talking about? My guess is he's really having a hard time. And this demonstrates the greatness of Joseph. And I think gives us insight into why he chose Joseph and Mary, why God chose them. In the midst of that, Joseph had in mind to break the engagement quietly. Okay, I, I don't think we quite get the ramifications of what that means he doesn't do. What that means he doesn't do is he doesn't go around to all his friends and smear her name. What it means is he does not go onto Facebook and start writing nasty things about her or even in generalities, even though everybody knows about who it's about. Joseph is not going to do that. It means Joseph 
is not going to report her to the authorities, which could mean death for her, by the way. I know that seems weird in our day, but back then, yes, it could have meant death for her. Execution. She, he's not going to give her up to the authorities. He's not going to do that, even though he probably everything within him wanted to, had those feelings, but he's not going to do that. In other words, Joseph is going to honor and respect and love Mary unconditionally, even though it seems like he's getting nothing of that from her. That cannot be overstated. He's going to honor and love and respect her, even though he's getting none of that from her. At least that's the way it seems to him. (laughs) And it's in the midst of that that God comes in and says, okay, I've got to talk to Joseph. (laughs) Because he's reeling just a bit. So let's see what happens. As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In other words, God comes in and interrupts Joseph in his thoughts, and he says, Joseph, you're a great guy. Thank you for being willing to be quiet about this and not smear Mary's name. But I've got a different script for you as well. I mean, Joseph's script changed twice, remember. <laughs> he finds out about Mary. He's like, oh, okay, I guess Mary's not the one and this is not going to work. And, the, you know, the script was changed. And then God comes in and changes it again. He's like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to marry Mary now. Mary, Mary. Very good. And he goes in and, and now God kind of says, hey, I have a different script for you as well. Trust me, Mary's telling the truth here. <laughs> And Joseph goes, wow, that's crazy. I didn't see that coming. And the life script was changed again. And then the the scripture goes into something really important. This is what he says in verse 22. God says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This was written in the Old Testament hundreds of years ago. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What does that mean? It simply is saying, this, this is really just saying, this was written hundreds of years before this ever happened, before Joseph and Mary, before Jesus is going to be born. Hundreds of years this was written before all that. This is telling us what's going to happen in hundreds of years down the road in history. God is basically saying, listen, this is not me winging it. This is not God winging it. This is not me just flying by the seat of my pants. This has been in the works a long, long time. Long before Joseph and Mary ever existed. Saying, this was written about a long time ago. Now is the time for it to come to truth. And he goes through, and this is what Joseph responds. Again, pretty amazing like Mary. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. The key point, I think, that we need to really see from Joseph and Mary's part of the Christmas story is that they heard from God. God interrupted their lives in a big-time way. And they listened and they obeyed immediately. 
It was not, well, God, uh, you don't understand. I, we're, Joseph and I are engaged, you see, and it's going to kind of mess things up with him. You know, and, and Joseph's like, uh, you don't understand. This is not really looked on well with our culture. And, and this just this is not going to work out. I, this is not in the plan. No, Mary says, may it be just as you have said. Joseph says, okay, I'll marry Mary. Right away. No hesitation. They just trusted God and looked at that. And I think it was because of their focus that they had already. So the question becomes, in light of this first part of the Christmas story, um, great story, very interesting, amazing, Joseph and Mary, good stuff, but what does it mean for you and I? Right? We, you know at Northridge, we always ask that question, because if we don't deal with how this book, the Word of God, applies to us now, then all we're going to do is say, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. I like the, I like the music at Northridge. Um, God sounds like a cool thing. It has to go beyond that. It has to be like, whew, this has to be in here, like shoved in here. Not physically, of course, that'd be weird. But it has to be in there, like ingrained in you. It, it has to be one with you. It, it's, it's not work and then maybe church or if I have time, God, or anything. It's God around everything else. Everything else. Everything else. I mean everything. What you what your kids, what your plans are for your kids, what your plans, what your kids' plans are, what your plans are for your career, what your plans are for life, everything has to be ingrained with God. And that's what this Christmas story is all about. So let's talk about two things that I think need to be really um, wrestled with in terms of Joseph and Mary. The first one should be an obvious one, but, but it's not always. First one is, God uses normal people. We may think this might be true, but I'm not sure if we really understand this and live this way. God uses normal people. In fact, He desires to. Sometimes we read the Bible, right? And we read David and Goliath, for example. And we read about Moses and the parting of the Red Sea, or we watch it from a Hollywood movie that's coming out sometime, I guess. All right? Or we, or we read about these stories, or Joseph and Mary and all these things, and we start making them superheroes. We start praying to them. <laughs> we start putting them as, like, you know, Marvel comic book. Let's make a movie about them because they're superpowers. But they don't have superpowers. David was nothing apart from God. He's just a normal person with incredible value as a person, but infused with God's power. Moses couldn't have done anything without God. Joseph and Mary, none of this happens without God. They're normal people. They have intrinsic, incredible value because God put it in them. Incredible value. God put it in everybody. Just so we're clear, Everybody has value. All life has value. God has put gifts and abilities and value into every person. Every person, no matter who we are. God has put value in there. And Joseph and Mary, all of us, we're no different. God wants to use normal people. Think about Joseph and Mary for a minute. My guess is they had their own life script kind of figured out and had some ideas on how life would go for them. 
I'm sure Mary thought she was going to be the, you know, one of the best housekeepers and, and, and wife, you know, which in that culture at the time was like the best thing you could do. And, and she probably felt, yeah, I'm going to do awesome at this. I'm going to be amazing at this. And, and Joseph probably thought, I'm going to become a master carpenter. I'm going to, I'm going to build a, a modest but successful business in the little town of Nazareth. And, and my sons will grow up and they're going to take over the family business. They're going to become carpenters and, and we're going to live happily ever after. My guess is they did not start thinking when they started making marriage plans. They said, you know, I really hope that, that we're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. I think, I think that would be good. Let's do that. Where should we move in order to accomplish that? Where do we need to go? You know, let's get a house close to the well. It would be perfect. What a nice neighborhood. Look at that well. I just redid it. Right? They had normal dreams, just like any normal person does. Well, we miss that because the Bible doesn't tell us some of those things that they had to give up, that they had to change. And Joseph and Mary, they're just normal people. They're normal people who had incredible value, but then God brought to an extraordinary level because of their willingness and their openness to God. One thing, some of us in here don't believe that God can use us. We really don't. We don't believe that God maybe even exists to use us. Isn't that true? We don't, we don't believe that. We don't think that God uses normal people. We think he's just a theory. We think he's just out there. Something good to think about. And God says, no, I want to use you. I, I, you have amazing abilities for this reason because there's some incredible things that I can do with you, through you. Because of you, you can bless people around you in amazing ways, but you need to be willing. And that brings us to the second point. The second point is uh, really important. God blesses a willing heart. God blesses a willing heart. So often we just need to be open to what God wants to do in and through us. And just like we talked about in the margin series, sometimes we just fill our lives so much that God, he can't even wiggle in. Like there's no room. There's no room for him. And, and God says, man, there's so much that we can do. There's so many things that we can take and we can do. And just like Joseph and Mary, I think, remember what Joseph and Mary did. They trusted God, but it was not in theory only. It was not in theory only. I think this is where American culture clashes big time, just head on with God's word. Like God's word kind of is like, Hey, and we're, you know, we, this is where we lock horns. I think, I think we say this is something good to believe in, but I'm not sure if I should do anything about it. And God says, Oh no, if it's in you, if it's ingrained in here, then you can't help, but do something about it. You have to take action. And Joseph, he took action. He married his fiance right away because God said, you need to do this. Mary, you need to accept your role right away. I know it's going to be really hard for you, but, but I need you to do this because it's important. And Mary said, let it be done. Let it be so. Just what you said, may it happen. And they took action. They didn't like, eh, let's just wait around and see how this pans out. Let's see how the finances do next year. You know, there was no waiting. It was like, done. Okay, we trust you, God. We're going we're gonna to do this. And they had action. So sometimes, the point is, sometimes it takes one or two people 
to really get the spark going. Sometimes it takes a, a, a couple of people or, or a group of people to, to say, okay, this is going to be what the new normal is. This is going to be a new life script. We're going to put everything, we're going to stake everything on God, and we're going to just let it ride there. We're going to have to do some work, but, but God's power, we're going to allow God's power to be used in and through us so that we can accomplish great things. We're going to allow that. We're going to be open to that. We're going to do that. And sometimes it just takes one or two people to, to get the ball rolling. I saw a video of a man uh, who was getting onto a train in Australia. And he stepped onto the train, and then for whatever reason, it was probably too close or packed in there, and he steps back. And you know that gap in between the train and the platform? His leg went right down in between. So his one leg was bent up, and his one leg goes straight down and gets trapped in between. It, it, it got, you know, obviously his legs get bigger, and so he gets it jammed. Literally, he gets stuck in between the train and the platform. And, uh, and this video is amazing because, you know, that happens. And what happens next, I think, is what was really, really cool and why it made YouTube. Um, and so I wanted you guys to see it. Just kind of notice and watch how this plays out after the guy's leg gets stuck. Did you notice, it's kind of weird watching a silent video, right? <laughs> Go back to like silent movies. Did you notice what it took to free the guy? It took a couple of people going up to the train and saying, hey, maybe we can push it. Some people maybe believed he was going to get out. Some people maybe thought somebody should help him. Maybe there were some people that thought, maybe we should do something. That's great. Good. You did nothing good for him at all until there were a few people that said, let's actually try to push the train. Let's actually try to tip the thing. And then what happened? As soon as the first little group of people, you notice that, the group? And then what happened really quickly? More people flooded in and then more. And then that really tall guy came out of nowhere, you know, you know, with the striped shirt, I was like, oh, that'll get it done. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. You know, and then somebody obviously said, okay, all together. And, you know, we didn't hear it, but somebody did because they all of a sudden just, oh, they pushed and that thing just moved. Just, I mean, you could barely even see it. And they moved and they got the guy free. The reason I say that, the reason I show that is because I believe that this is what God wants to do with us all the time. It's just not that blatantly obvious. I think God has... Things every day, every day we have moments where God says, oh, I, here we go. 
This, this person is going to need a little bit of help. They're there so you can bring some joy into their life. Can you, can you just do that? Just a smile. That's all I need. I need you to smile for them. I, need, uh, I know they're kind of needy, but I need you to listen to them <laughs> for a while. Can you do that? I need you to go check on your neighbor because you know that you haven't seen them in a while and they're probably not doing well. I just need you to go do that. And God taps and he nudges and we go, ah. And we kind of hem and haw. Give birth to the Savior of the world. I don't know. It's going to be kind of hard. Right? And we kind of fight that dynamic. And maybe for us to really drive home this faith that we have. Maybe what we need to do is we need to actually start taking action on our faith. We need to step up and do something. I know that's what it is for me sometimes. Sometimes I need to be, I need to get a little kick. (laughs) Okay, I'm going. And God taps and he nudges. And sometimes for some of us, it might be uh, just some thoughts. Okay, just throw these out there. Maybe volunteering at at Wanakee Neighbor Connection or the food pantry or, or at Northridge or wherever. Just taking that step to just do it. Maybe you thought about it for a while. Maybe you never thought about it. Maybe you're like, oh, maybe. And maybe this is God saying to you right now, yep, okay. And we need to do that. Maybe you've molded over for a long time. God says, yep, let's, let's do that. Maybe it's, maybe it's committing to read the Bible on your own. Opening it up. The vast majority of people that I know never open this. Not ever. Maybe taking action for you is getting into the Word and reading a couple of verses a day. couple verses. You know how long it takes me to read a couple of verses in the morning? It takes me a little longer because I'm a talker. But, um, but it, it doesn't take long. We're talking, we're talking a minute. If you don't break it open at all, just start with a couple of verses. And I guarantee you, you'll go, I don't know what those two verses mean, you know. Uh, i got to read some more. I mean, I do that. I still do that. I'm like, I, I've never seen that before. Or maybe I just didn't notice it. Maybe, that, maybe taking action by getting into the Word a little more regularly. Maybe reaching out to somebody who you know needs some help. Perhaps, this, this is going to be a more difficult one, but perhaps it means that we need to start getting a little bit more bold, a little bit more courageous with our faith. Maybe there's some people in your life that you know you need to invite to Northridge or to invite into a conversation about God. Maybe there's somebody that you've already invited and you know you should invite, invite them again. That's a hard one, isn't it? Like they said no the first four times. And you're like, ah, I feel like I should ask them again. I don't want to badger them. Maybe, this, this may sound silly, this may sound silly, but I, I promise you there's, there's a point to this. Maybe you need to like us on Facebook. <laughs> there's our Facebook page, by the way. L- listen, listen to me on this. Hear me on this. Some of you are unwilling to like us because you know other people would see it. Are we getting real now? That, maybe you just don't want to like us on Facebook because you don't like doing that. And that's okay. That, that is totally fine. It really is. But if you're not liking us on Facebook because you don't want people to know that you're connected to a faith community, maybe that's a step of faith that you could take. That's really simple. That's a really simple one, isn't it? And say, yep, 
Okay, everybody's going to see that. Yeah, they are. It's Facebook. (laughs) Maybe that's what you could do to take that little step and say, and then maybe that open. You know what? Usually that does. The reason I bring that up, because I've had people like us on Facebook, and then all of a sudden their friends ask them about it and say, I didn't know. (laughs) And that gets into, talk about opening a can of worms. (laughs) But it's a good one. It's a good one. And, you, you, and that's why we don't like it, because we're like, I don't want to have that conversation. Well, yeah. Like some Facebook. See what happens. See what happens. Just think about these things about how we could be a little bit more bold with our faith. I'm not saying go around in your neighborhood and start knocking on doors and saying, hey, do you love Jesus? <laughs> you need him. But maybe liking us on Facebook or inviting somebody to Northridge and saying, hey, I, it's really cool. I enjoy it. Would you be willing to come with me sometime? I just, I think, it, I think it's, a good, it's good for me. I find value there. You know, think about coming with us. And, and then, you know what's even better? Go pick them up. Carpool with them. Or say, hey, you can follow us there. Because we all know one of the hardest things is walking into a new place, isn't it? We know that. That's, that's one of the biggest barriers. What is the boldness that God wants you to take on, maybe to put that and use us as normal people and how he can build a willing heart? Because that is what it really comes down to, the heart of it for Joseph and Mary. So I leave you with three questions this morning. First question, what is your script now? What is your script now? What does your life script look like? Does, is God in there at all? Has God helped write it? Or is it nothing to do with God? Second question, how does God want to change it? <laughs> how does God want to change your script? It's not a question of if, it's how. I've been walking with God for a long time. He is still changing my script. Daily. And I'm still uncomfortable with it fairly often. And there are sometimes, honestly, there are some things that I used to be really uncomfortable with. Now I'm okay. But you know how I've gotten there? It's because I finally had to trust and do something. And God said, reach out. Call that person. Send them an email. Just reach out. Do it. And I said, I don't want to. And eventually I started to do it. And now I can do that. And now it's easier. And now I have still some things that I need to work on. And God knows those things. (laughs) God knows everything. It makes it difficult. So he knows where to push the buttons. And you're like, oh, stop. <laughs> right? Are you willing for the script to be changed? Are you willing? Where's your heart? Toward God. Are you willing for the script to be changed? Worship band's going to come up. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would just do that. That you would help us to be willing. Lord, help us to stop messing around. Help us to stop just playing games. And help us to really drive our trust, our faith in you completely. God, help us to be okay with a new script. 
drive us to action, God. Help us not to want to just sit on the sidelines, God. Help us to desire to make a difference in our life through your love, through your power. We are just normal people, but we have incredible value, God. But we know with your power, we can do extraordinary things. Drive us to action, God. Help us to be willing. Help us to throw our script out and to write a new one with you. Pray all of this, Lord, and we ask this, we desire this in your name and by your power, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thank you.